Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the second Sunday in Lent, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Burchard as he preaches from the lectionary, which this week was John chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. I find Nicodemus to be a fascinating character in the story of Jesus the Christ. He's only mentioned in this gospel, John's gospel, and even in John's gospel, he only appears three times. He's not nearly as well known as Mary the mother of God or John the Baptist or Mary Magdalene or Peter. But in my experience, the questions that he asks and the journey that he travels are ones that many of us can identify with. Our text begins the story by telling us that Nicodemus is a Pharisee, a member of one of the more of the rigorous groups of first century Judaism, and that he's a leader of the Jewish people. So immediately, we know that he is a different kind of a student than any of the others who are drawn to Jesus. And crucially, in a gospel that is drenched in metaphor, we are told that Nicodemus comes to visit Jesus by night. Why? Well, Jesus has been enacting some startling signs and has been making some bold, uh, possibly heretical claims. And so maybe Nicodemus comes by night because he's concerned about even being associated with this controversial teacher. Perhaps he comes by night because there may be fewer of the disciples around so that he can ask the questions that he has more freely. And I wonder if he comes by night because, well, he's just not sure. There's something about this teacher and this wonder worker, and maybe a quiet conversation will prove that he couldn't possibly be the one. In all of it, it seems that Nicodemus is frightened to show up and be seen. And regardless of what brought him, it seems that the teaching that Nicodemus receives is something that he is not quite ready for. And maybe that's why I find him so fascinating. Because at the start of the encounter, Nicodemus first tries to establish some common ground. Remember, he's a leader of this group that is very skeptical. And so he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God, which is a good start. 
But as soon as Jesus starts teaching, the ground begins to shift under Nicodemus' feet because the teaching quickly turns to the metaphysical. And this metaphysical ground is fraught for us two millennia later for, well, many reasons. Some of you might have stashed your John 3.16 sign under your pew just for this very Sunday. But for the purposes of this sermon, I'd like to keep our focus on the very beginning of the passage. Because any translator of John's gospel faces a critical decision in the translation of Jesus' response to Nicodemus in verse 3. Our version reads, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. It's that last word, above, that proves to be a litmus test for any translation. So some of them, like the New International Version or the English Standard Version, translate that word as again. As in, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You can see why this translation might make a difference. But our New Revised Standard Version, the New Catholic Bible, and others translate it as above. And then there still are other translations that translate it as born anew. The Greek word in question here is the word anothen, and nearly every single other use of it in the New Testament, and there are dozens, has to do with starting at the beginning or at the top. It's the same word that you'll find in Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel at the very, very end, when the curtain of the temple is torn in two from the anothen to the bottom. So it seems to me that Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus to understand the kind of change of perception or experience of reality that is necessary to see the ways that God is present in our world. And this change of vision or of knowing is so profound that it needs, that in order to be perceived, it has to be enacted or, in, or inhabited by a breaking open, by a new creation within, by the Spirit. Nicodemus is not quite sure about that kind of being born again anew or from above. And frankly, he's not the only one. Now, there's a debate among scholars as to what is behind Nicodemus' response. How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can anyone enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? So one camp says that Nicodemus was hope, hopelessly confused. 
that he was just unable to perceive the metaphor that Jesus is teaching with, which is a risk of metaphor, right? By trying to grasp it, sometimes we break it. We, we flatten it out. And there is another camp who says that Nicodemus was just unwilling, just unwilling to understand this spiritual truth. And you can especially see this at the end when he finally responds to Jesus, how can these things be? This week, though, I was offered a third way by the author Nancy Rockwell. She wrote, Nicodemus is raising an argument that is fierce among us still. Are we not all products of the lives we have lived? Are we not shaped by our repeated experiences? Are we not shaped by our educations and our works? Can all of this be swept aside by the blowing of the wind? Can we become unformed in order to be reformed by the Spirit of God? And so it has me wondering, what if Nicodemus is sitting in front of Jesus and is wondering as he hears this teaching, who will I be if I'm born again or anew or from above? What of the law that I've learned? What of the relationships I've loved? Do I still get to be myself and be made new? I think this is an essential question every time we approach one of these great mysteries, like the incarnation of God made human or the resurrection of death changed forever. Because in order to get close to these deep truths, we have to be prepared to have the Spirit blow through us, change us. It's what we see whenever somebody comes to be baptized as an adult and this fundamental question of, will I still be me even as I change? It's also what happens every Lent as we prepare ourselves. We, we try to inhabit this preparation day by day so that we open ourselves up to the spirit of recreation. It's as if we are a river valley and we are readying ourselves for a storm to blow through us. Knowing that in the storm, the river has the power to topple the trees and to toss the boulders of our lives to carve the canyon anew. And yet, we do this trusting that what's left will be enough. Enough of us and enough for God. And so I wonder if this is what Nicodemus knew.
Biblical scholars are also divided, big surprise, as to whether or not in the end Nicodemus was a follower of Jesus. Unlike others who encounter the Christ, whose stories we will hear in the next weeks to come in Lent, Nicodemus doesn't turn in that moment and follow Jesus. But for me, the evidence is found in the long arc and in the careful way that John tells his gospel account. So remember, at the start, when we first meet Nicodemus in our passage this Sunday, that he was only willing to approach Jesus under the cover of night. Well, later in our chapter, Jesus teaches at some length about those who wish to remain in the shadows as those who are afraid of being exposed in the light. That's the first encounter. The next encounter with Nicodemus, it appears to be evening. And Nicodemus is carefully attempting to support Jesus in front of the chief priests and the council. But the third and final time that we see Nicodemus is after the death of Jesus. Jesus' disciples, afraid that they will be persecuted and killed just as their leader was, they have fled. And Jesus' body remains on the torturous apparatus that empire used to kill him. And it is the holy day of preparation. And then, in broad daylight, in front of all of Jerusalem, two people come forward to claim the body of this crucified revolutionary. Joseph of Arimathea, a secret disciple, and Nicodemus. Now, we don't know what happened to Nicodemus. There are no recorded words of belief, no account of how the Spirit blew through his life. We just know that at that moment, Nicodemus brings about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes to care for the body of Jesus. We just know that when no one else would, in the end and in the light, Nicodemus shows up. So may we all.